Greetings, Detective. Welcome to the Murder Mystery Company and our new free service, Calm Mystery. We know that many of you need that calm and centered moment, but meditation isn't necessarily your thing. If you're a mystery lover, a crime fan, and could use a break, you've come to the right place. It sure is a suspenseful world out there, but I have good news for you. In this world, the only suspense will come from the world's best writers. For the next few minutes, we're going to close the door on the outside world. First, find a comfortable chair, sofa, or bed. Take a moment to just relax into that spot. Let your body sink in, slowly releasing the day's tension. Just relax. You've earned this time. You need this time for you. Your body will thank you. Now let's take a moment to clear your mind. I want you to focus on two things. My voice and your breathing. Take a deep breath in through your nose. Let it out slowly through your mouth. Now the same thing, but let's breathe on my count. Three counts in and four counts out. Breathe in. One, two, three. Now out. One, two, three, four. As we do this, you're going to slowly relax more and be perfectly ready for tonight's dastardly tale. Now again, breathe in. One, two, three. Now out. One, two, three, four. One more time, breathing out the last bit of stress. Breathe in, one, two, three. Now out, one, two, three, four. Excellent. Tonight's tale of mystery, intrigue, and murder is truly spine-tingling. Calm Mystery the Aluminium Dagger by R. Austin Freeman Read by Perry F. Bruns What sort of man, he asked presently, is this Leonard Wolfe? Obviously he is a low scoundrel, but what is he like in other respects? Is he a fool, for instance? Not at all, I should say, said Mr. Curtis. He was formerly an engineer and I believe a very capable mechanician. Latterly, he has lived on some property that came to him and has spent both his time and his money in gambling and dissipation. Consequently, I expect he is at present pretty short of funds. And in appearance? I saw him only once, replied Mr. Curtis, and all I can remember of him is that he is rather short, fair, thin, and clean-shaven, and that he has lost the middle finger of his left hand. And he lives at Eltham in Kent, Morton Grange, Eltham, said Mr. Marchmont. And now, if you have all the information that you require, I must really be off, and so must Mr. Curtis. The two men shook our hands and hurried away, 
leaving Thorndyke gazing meditatively at the dingy flower beds. A strange and interesting case, this, Jervis, said he, stooping to peer under a laurel bush. The inspector is on a hot scent, a most palpable red herring on a most obvious string. But that is his business. Ah, here comes the porter, intent no doubt on pumping us, whereas he smiled genially at the approaching custodian and asked, Where did you say those houses fronted? Cotman Street, sir, answered the porter. They are nearly all offices. And the numbers, that open second floor window, for instance. That is number six, but the house opposite Mr. Hartridge's rooms is number eight. Thank you. Thorndyke was moving away, but suddenly he turned again to the porter. By the way, said he, I dropped something out of the window just now, a small flat piece of metal like this. He made on the back of his visiting card a neat sketch of a circular disc with a hexagonal hole through it and handed the card to the porter. I can't say where it fell, he continued, these flat things scale about so, but you might ask the gardener to look for it. I will give him a sovereign if he brings it to my chambers, for, although it is no value to anyone else, it is of considerable value to me. The porter touched his hat briskly, and as we turned out at the gate, I looked back and saw him already wading among the shrubs. The object of the porter's quest gave me considerable mental occupation, and I was about to question Thorndyke when— Turning sharply round into Cotman Street, he drew up at the doorway of number six and began attentively to read the names of the occupants. Third floor, he read out. Mr. Thomas Barlow, commission agent. Hmm. I think we will look in on Mr. Barlow. He stepped quickly up the stone stairs, and I followed until we arrived somewhat out of breath at the third floor. Outside the commission agent's door, he paused for a moment and we both listened curiously to an irregular sound of shuffling feet from within. Then he softly opened the door and looked into the room. Inside, a lanky youth of fourteen was practicing with no mean skill the manipulation of an appliance known by the appropriate name of Diablo, and so absorbed was he in his occupation that we entered and shut the door without being observed. At length, the shuttle missed the string and flew into a large waste-paper basket, the boy turned and confronted us, and was instantly covered with confusion. "'Allow me,' said Thorndyke, rooting rather unnecessarily in the waste-paper basket, and handing the toy to its owner. "'I need not ask if Mr. Barlow is in,' he added, "'nor if he is likely to return shortly.' "'He won't be back today,' said the boy, perspiring with embarrassment. "'He left before I came. I was rather late.' "'I see,' said Thorndyke. The early bird catches the worm, but the late bird catches the Diablo. How did you know he would not be back? He left a note. Here it is. He exhibited the document, which was neatly written in red ink. Thorndyke examined it attentively and then asked, Did you break the inkstand yesterday? The boy stared at him in amazement. Yes, I did, he answered. How did you know? I didn't, or I should not have asked but I see that he has used his stylo to write this note. The boy regarded Thorndyke distrustfully as he continued, I really called to see if your Mr. Barlow was a gentleman whom I used to know, but I expect you can tell me. My friend was tall and thin, dark and clean-shaven. That ain't him, then, said the boy. He's thin, but he ain't tall or dark. He's got a sandy beard and he wears spectacles and a wig. I know a wig when I see one, he added cunningly, 
because my father wears one. He puts it on a peg to comb it, and he swears at me when I laugh. My friend had injured his left hand, pursued Thorndyke. I don't know about that, said the youth. Mr. Barlow nearly always wears gloves. He always wears one on his left hand, anyhow. Ah, well, I'll just write him a note on the chance. If you will give me a piece of notepaper, have you any ink? There's some in the bottle. I'll dip the pen in for you. From the cupboard, he produced an open packet of cheap notepaper and a packet of similar envelopes, and having dipped the pen to the bottom of the ink bottle, handed it to Thorndyke, who sat down and hastily scribbled a short note. He had folded the paper and was about to address the envelope when he appeared suddenly to alter his mind. I don't think I will leave it after all, he said, slipping the folded paper into his pocket. No, tell him I called, Mr. Horace Budge, and say I will look in again in a day or two. The youth watched our exit with an air of perplexity, and he even came out on the landing the better to observe us over the balusters until, unexpectedly catching Thorndyke's eye, he withdrew his head with remarkable suddenness and retired in disorder. To tell the truth, I was now little less perplexed than the office boy by Thorndyke's proceedings, in which I could discover no relevancy to the investigation that I presumed he was engaged upon and the last straw was laid upon the burden of my curiosity when he stopped at a staircase window, drew the note out of his pocket, examined it with his lens, held it up to the light, and chuckled aloud. Luck, he observed, though no substitute for care and intelligence, is a very pleasant addition. Really, my learned brother, we are doing uncommonly well. Thank you, detectives, for listening to tonight's Calm Mystery. By the Murder Mystery Company. I'm Perry F. Bruns. Would you like to show somebody you care? Is there a mystery fan in your life? Couldn't they use a quiet moment and a great story? I'm doing personal stories of 20 minutes or less. Something personal like this can make a friend or family member feel truly loved in an otherwise dark time. They're only $49, and you can email me at calmmystery, that's C-A-L-M mystery, at gmail.com. In the meantime, stay tuned for more tales to tingle and terrify while giving you a needed break from the outside world. <laughs>